Today's reading is taken from Luke chapter 4, it's verses 1 to 13. It'll be found on page 1030 in the Church Bible. Luke chapter 4, Jesus is tested in the wilderness. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place, and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God, and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm not usually up this early. It's very nice, isn't it? I must do it more often. I was very happy to see that the passage set for this morning was on temptation. When Peter says you're going to use the lectionary, you can get all sorts of, you know, three chapters of Leviticus or something. But um, I was very happy to see that today we're, we're, we're looking at temptation because I'm an expert on temptation. Uh, not, not resisting it, you understand, but being tempted, I'm, I'm, in, I'm there. And it's something, I guess, that we are all familiar with. And actually, that's a problem for a, a, a preacher. Everyone's familiarity with the subject causes some issues. Well, am I going to tell you something uh, this morning startlingly new that you've never heard before about temptation? Um, well, looking around at you folks, um, you're all very mature in the faith, and I think it's very unlikely, to be honest. Am I going to remind you of important truths which we need regularly to reflect on. Absolutely, we're going to do that. Is God going to speak into your personal situation this morning? Well, I have to say, that's very much up to you. And if you come wanting to hear his voice and longing to hear what he has to say to you, he will to have the Bible open in front of you. They're provided in the pews for that very reason. A phrase from hearing, if you're keen to know what he's got to say to you, he will speak. But we're going to take a a quick trip through what 
most of us probably already know about temptation and, and resisting it. And in the first three verses there, as you look at them, there are a couple of important things to notice. And the first one is this. Jesus was tempted. Well, duh. <laughs> you know, it's sort of obvious. But actually, it's important that we understand that. If Jesus was tempted, so will we be. And sometimes we feel terrible because we've been tempted and we think perhaps that being tempted means we're living a substandard Christian life. But it's not temptation that is wrong, it's giving in to it that causes the problem. And here we have Jesus in his humanity facing the things which all of us face. And that's really important. As it says in Hebrews, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Because he's been through it, because he's experienced it, he knows what we're going through, and he can help us when we turn to him in the midst of temptation. So being tempted is not a sign of being a bad Christian. Far from it. Actually, the stronger your relationship with Jesus, the more you long to love him and serve him, the more likely you are to be uh, bombarded with temptation. The devil doesn't need to bother with you if you're drifting in your walk with God, if you're casual and careless about your spiritual life. He's happy. He'll let you drift. No problem. But if you're getting spiritually stronger more passionate about loving Jesus and serving him, you represent a threat to the enemy. And the devil will move harder to try and bring you down. As it's graphically put in 1 Peter, be alert and of sober mind, your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So I tentatively suggest to you this morning that if you sat there thinking, well, I never get tempted, I don't have a problem with that at all. I think you might have a problem. Time for a spiritual checkup. The second thing to note in the first few verses that was that Jesus was in the wilderness. He was on his own when the temptations came. And I want to suggest that temptation is a battle that we generally faced on our own. The struggle takes place in our hearts and minds. It can be really helpful if we have a close friend who we can share our struggles with, someone we can be accountable, someone, someone who will pray for us. That's great. But even then, the battle is still one we fight ourselves. No one else knows what's going on in our heart and in our mind, and no one can fight that battle for us. That said, of course, we have the presence of Jesus with us, and we can call on him and more of that in a moment. Moving on, we note that the temptations are targeted. Those temptations that Jesus faced were specific, specific to his physical hunger, to his mission to establish his kingdom, and to show off his deity. 
And all three were following on from what had just happened before. Jesus had come into the wilderness, you remember, immediately after his baptism by John in the Jordan. And the Holy Spirit descended on him and God's voice declared him to be Jesus, the Son of God. Okay, says the devil, if you are the Son of God, prove it. And the three temptations follow. Now the temptations that we face will not be the same. We're not going to be tempted to go out into the garden and make stones into bread. We're not going to be taken up into a high point and offered all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus had extraordinary powers and his temptations related to the misuse of those powers for the wrong ends. But the devil targets us too in different ways. He knows our weaknesses and of course we are all different. Wave a cigarette in front of me, uh, and uh, I don't even think twice about refusing it. It's horrible. I, I couldn't think of anything worse to try. But if you're someone who's just given up smoking after years, it will trigger a strong memory which will make it a very powerful temptation to resist. Each one of us is vulnerable to different sorts of lures. Uh, common weaknesses are based around Money, sex, and power. Greed of all types. Basically, any desire which is out of control and has been corrupted to dominate our thoughts and actions, a temptation to us. And we could start by trying to listen, uh, we could start by trying to list them. I have to say that'd be a bit pointless. Um, you are all, I'm sure, aware of your own personal weaknesses. And I could list loads of them and never hit yours. And I'd just, recite a list of things that don't bother you at all. Just remember that you're not unique in struggling with temptation. Jesus was tempted, and actually, we're all tempted. We tend to think sometimes, if only people knew, if only people knew what I'm struggling with, if only people knew what was going on in my mind, the desires which well up in me, gosh, they, if, oh, if that was written on my forehead, it would be awful. People would be shocked. But actually, we all have our struggles. Look around at this saintly gathering. Look around. Lovely people. Charming people. Delightful people. God-fearing, spiritual people. But if I were a betting man, which I'm not because... Betting isn't a temptation for me. Um, I'd wager the house that every one of you has a private struggle with some sort of temptation. Remember the words of Paul to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. And it was pointed out to me that uh, temptation has been downgraded as a problem by society. It arises because there's no longer a clear distinction between right and wrong. It's all got fuzzy. And who knows what's right and who knows what's wrong and what's right can be what's right for you but not right for somebody else and all that. And so there's no clear thing about this is wrong, so don't do it. And the media now shamelessly try to tempt us. They acknowledge that something's a bit naughty, 
but you'll really enjoy it, so why not go for it? The expression, I think, is guilty pleasures. And that sums it up. If it's guilty, it's, it's not right, is it? But pleasure, and that's the thing to go for. If you have a gambling addiction, and an addiction is simply a temptation for which you have zero uh, resistance. If you have a gambling addiction and you watch sport on the television, you are constantly bombarded by adverts encouraging you to bet. It must be terrible for someone who's got that addiction and trying to, to, to shift it. And other weaknesses targeted aggressively by everything from billboards that you see as you walk around to shopping channels and all the adverts on the television. You know, if it's chocolate, you know, you see that lady sat back, feet up on the sofa, unwrapping that lovely chocolate that melts in the mouth. These things tell you that the pleasure will be great. Buying this product, eating this chocolate, it will bring you satisfaction. Doesn't matter if you can't afford what it's been. Buy it anyway because it will bring you pleasure. Of course, that's all a lie. I'm reminded of uh, the vicar who loved to play golf. He really enjoyed golf, and uh, it had been a, a terrible week of weather, and he hadn't been able to get out to play, and he woke on Sunday morning, and it was a beautiful day. What a great day for golf. And in the end, he rang his curate and said, I'm sorry, I'm not very well today, and uh, um, could you take the service for me? And he went off, he took a circuitous route and went to a course he didn't usually go to, and he started to play. And his first drive screamed down the middle of the fir further than he'd ever hit a ball before. His second was a seven iron, right to the pin, just a couple of inches, a tiny putt, a birdie. Oh, wonderful. The second hole, a little par three, and his tee shot went in. A hole in one, absolutely brilliant. And it went on like this. Every hole, a birdie, an eagle. Fantastic. And St. Peter's looking down on this, and he says to God, Who? He's, he's ditched his congregation to play golf. Why? Why are you allowing this? And God said, Who's he going to tell? <laughs> and for a golfer to play the round of your life and not be able to tell anyone <laughs> is tortuous. A moment of pleasure, but there is no satisfaction. There is no fulfillment. If you're trying to live for Jesus, there may be a moment of pleasure if you give in to temptation, but that will inevitably be followed immediately by remorse and disappointment and guilt. And as I said, definitely not satisfaction. At the end of the passage, there's uh, just something else to note. And it says in verse 13, the devil retreated temporarily, lying in wait for another opportunity. After this intense period of testing, the devil gave up. But just for a while, awaiting another opportunity to try again. 
temptation for us is not usually full on all of the time. Often we have periods of intense temptation and then it fades a bit. But never think you've beaten it and that you're free from it forever. The devil is just biding his time to have another go. Remember what Peter said? Uh, the Apostle Peter, but I'm sure Peter here would say the same thing. The enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for prey. Often temptation can come at a time when you're particularly low in spirit or vulnerable or at a key spiritual moment. Remember, Jesus was just about to start his ministry when the devil bombarded him with these temptations. A key spiritual moment for him. So the message is be constantly alert. And as the message paraphrases Paul's words, he says, don't be so naive and self-confident. You are not exempt to temptation. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God-confidence. Two questions remain. The first of which is, how do we fight temptation? Well, of course, Jesus used scripture. His reply to each temptation was to quote God's word. And it's interesting that I hadn't realized this before, but each of the passages he uses comes from Deuteronomy and a specific section in Deuteronomy where um, the people of Israel are being given the principles and laws to live by. And Jesus is clearly identifying himself with the people, with humanity, saying to the devil, God gave us people these rules to help us live rightly and what you're suggesting is contrary to God's instructions. And I like that, that he shares our humanity and he shows us uh, as frail people that we can fight temptation to. He used scripture. Knowing God's word is of primary importance. Because when temptation comes, a major defense is to say, I'm not doing that, it's contrary to God's best for me. Now, if you want to fight temptation that way, you've got to read and know God's word. And I'm really grateful that as a young Christian, I was encouraged to read the Bible daily and to learn Bible verses. It's a big help. It's no help at all if temptation comes and you say, well, I have a vague recollection of something in the Bible about that, but I, I really can't remember what it says. Doesn't help. You need to know God's word. And learning Bible verses is a, is a great way to store it in your heart and mind. But there are other things that you can do to help as well. I've already mentioned having a friend who you can share your struggles with, be accountable to, who will pray with you and for you. That can be great help. But there are other simple things, like being careful to avoid temptation. If cream cakes are your problem, cross the road before you get to the baker's. Seriously. If lust is your problem, for goodness sake, stop reading the sun. Trivial examples, but you get the point. 
I remember the story of the boy who loved swimming in a canal and his mum told him, it's dangerous, you, you must not do it. And he oh, all right, mum, and he promised. And the very next day, she walked along the canal bank on the way home and there he was, splashing around in the water. And she hauled him out and I told you not to. And he said, oh, I'm sorry, mum, I just came by and I was tempted. He said, but you got your swimming trunks on. He said, well, yeah, I bought those in case I was tempted. Sometimes we don't take enough care to avoid the trigger of temptation. Sometimes we almost subconsciously prepare for it. Another thing is to catch the temptation early. It will begin with something that you see or a thought that pops into your mind and it triggers that desire that you struggle with. And the very worst thing you can do is dwell on it. Oh, see that chocolate? Oh, lovely. I do like chocolate. It's that moment when it melts in your mouth and you get... And you let your imagination run away with you. You savour that in your mind. I'm not going to do anything about it, but I'm just going to think about it for a while because it's so lovely. You're on the slippery slope to disaster. When the first glimmer of temptation comes, deal with it straight away because the longer you leave it, the harder it becomes. Look away. Hum a happy song. Recite the owl and the pussycat. Whatever you want to do. Better still recite some scripture verses. But something which will take your mind away from it immediately. I have to say afterwards, anybody who's walking around humming a happy song is not necessarily resisting temptation at that moment. But catch the temptation. Finally, just remind yourself that God is with you. He understands what you're going through and he will help you. 1 Corinthians 10 again. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That that verse is worth learning. And just note what it says. It doesn't say, and God will take the temptation away from you, don't worry about it. He says, he will provide a way out, but you have to choose to take it. I said two questions remain. The first was how to fight temptation. The second, of course, is what happens if you give in to temptation and you do something that you know you shouldn't? And some people would say, oh, you don't have to do that. We are Christians. We're victorious. We know. No. But I know I'm not perfect. And I look around, and, excuse me, but I don't see anybody here who's perfect either. I just think we have to face up to our humanity and that we are not perfect, and there will be times of failure. And giving in leads to shame, and then you feel disappointed with yourself, disgusted even. And then the guilt kicks in, and then despair, and these things cycle around and take you down into a downward spiral. And the more you long to love and serve the Lord, the worse that spiral gets, because you know you fail him. 
And the enemy will feed into your mind that you, you can't be a very good Christian. You failed again, let me remind you. God won't want to know you now. You're a hopeless case. You really should give up this ridiculous faith thing because it doesn't work. And all those lies he will be feeding into your heart and mind. And they are destructive. So you must deal quickly with failure. I was told as a, younger Christ, as a young Christian to keep short accounts with God. As soon as you've messed up, deal with it. Don't wallow in failure. Go to God, admit it, and put it right. Receive forgiveness. Ask for his help and the strength to carry on. I'm so grateful that I learned as a young Christian, uh, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from every kind of wrong. I use it often. It's a wonderful verse, and it reminds you that with God, failure is not final. You can always go back to him. As it's written in uh, the, uh, the message, the paraphrase, if we admit our sins, make a clean breast of them, he won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing. So when the enemy tries to use your failure to pile on condemnation with his lies, fight back with God's word. Deal with it quickly and move on. Well, that's a quick but important reminder about the daily battle of temptation. I don't know which bit God has been nudging you in the ribs about. Maybe you need to get your helpful scriptures lined up. Start learning a few, a few more. Maybe you're not doing all that you can to avoid temptation. Maybe, and this would be really sad, the worst thing really, maybe... You've grown, accustomed fa- you've grown accustomed to failure. You give in to temptation easily and you've given up trying to deal with it. And God today is challenging you. Whatever God is saying to you, make sure you act on it. Don't let it be words that float around in here. But take God's word with you. Allow him to be at work in you. This is the front line of your spiritual battle, temptation. Making progress in this area is vital if you want to grow to be more like Jesus. Which is what we all want, isn't it? Amen.